Thank you for your trust in me to let me preach this morning or try to preach for you. And I'll be preaching from the book of Luke. I'm glad to see you here. And hello to you that are listening to a delayed recording of the worship today. And we're glad you're there too and benefit from the worshiping service today. So we'll add you to the attendance and we'll have somewhere between 10 and 1,000. <laughs> somewhere in there. Okay. <clears throat> the Bogalusa Lumberjacks were in a football state championship playoff with the Sofa Louisiana Tornadoes. These teams had not been playing each other before, but they had arrived from their division to be the champions. And now they're going to play for state championship. Bogalusa is near Mississippi border. And Sulphur, Louisiana, is near the Texas border. So they, the tornadoes did come. They didn't quite just blow in after a trip like that in a school bus. And they played hard. And it went back and forth. And I was in the stand and I was pastor of that town there, Bogalusa. Bogalusa is an Indian word meaning cloudy water. <clears throat> At the ending of the game, Bogalusa Lumberjacks had won. Now my niece was one of those sulfur tours. That's the girls' pep squad. And I hurried out of the stand to get her, meet to her, speak to her before she got on the bus. Her name's Sherry, Sherry Lee. As I walked up to her, she didn't notice me. She didn't say anything to me. And I said, well, Sherry, is everything okay? I'm sorry you lost. Kind of glad we won, but uh, that's just the way it goes. She said, well, I'm told not to talk to anybody after the game if we lose. Just get on the bus. Everybody, all the girls, get on the bus, and we'll go home. That's their tradition. There was another team that played us in Bastrop, Louisiana, and that was a Monroe team the Neville High School. And we beat them once in a lifetime. And that evening after the game, those pep squads from the Neville High School, girls just sit there in the stand and their head bowed down and just looked terrible. That was their tradition in how to handle a loss. Our text today comes from Luke chapter 24, and it's the road to Emmaus. 
A lot of attention has been given to the road to Emmaus. Very little attention has been given to the road, the Emmaus road to Jerusalem. And that's where I hope to come down on today is the Emmaus road to Jerusalem. You could title that as the sermon today, or Returning. You know the story well. I'll just briefly mention enough for you to recall it in its details. In Jerusalem, Jesus was crucified three days ago. And they've left Jerusalem. Peter went home too. And these two, they're not of the uh, original disciples of the twelve, but they're very close to Jesus. And these two people are also going home, for they live in Emmaus. And while they are walking home, which I'm told is seven miles, it's a long ways for walking, that they discussed among themselves what went on in Jerusalem. And they evaluated this and they evaluated that. You can imagine what all they were talking about. But they weren't happy because they were sad because they had lost what they wanted. And while they were walking, a a person walked up to, caught up with them and said to them, in effect, what's going on? What's your story here? Let me in on it. And they said, are you the only one in Jerusalem? Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? And you don't know and you haven't heard what's going on with these things? And the stranger said, what things are going on? As if he didn't know. And they told him, well, the, Jesus was a great prophet. He did a lot of good. He had a lot of power. And our priest, and that word our, and our priest, turned him over to the Romans to be crucified. And we don't like that. And we, in verse 21, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem our nation. Why did not they recognize Jesus? The scripture does not tell us why. There's a lot of expect, uh, uh, expository as to why. But I have my own. I think they did not recognize Jesus because they had lost their God in their expectations of what their God was going to do. 
and their God had not done what their expectations were. There it is in verse 21 if you need it. But we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem our nation. Meaning to throw out all the, <coughs> the, the people from Rome who had come in to take over their country. We had hoped. It's easy to take what we expect God to do. And it's not what God intends to do. And that was the problem here. Their expectations of God was not what God intended to do. For they thought he had failed when in effect he had succeeded in bringing salvation to the nation. But they had not seen that. For they lost their God. They hid their God in their expectations. And I think that's why they could not recognize who Jesus was, for they were not able to. He, wasn't, he didn't exist anymore as far as they were concerned. So he wasn't there. Now as they went on, Jesus made out like he was going to go ahead and started walking ahead of them. <laughs> and and uh, they said, wait. I can imagine that they wait, wait here, wait. Uh, it's getting late, and uh, we're not far from Emmaus, where, where we live. Why don't you come and stay with us tonight, and uh, we'll start all over tomorrow. So they were, there's these two people on the road to Emmaus, going home, like Peter had gone home. And when they invited this man that they did not know, had did not recognize their home, they invited a stranger. Now that was a pretty good risk on their part. For as they was concerned, he was a stranger, they didn't know him, but they invited him into their home for tonight. And they had a meal. <clears throat> Whoever prepared that meal, I don't know the of these two, we assume all the pictures that I've seen of, of the artist have had two men walking on the road to Emmaus. But there are some that think that he that these two people were husband and wife was walking on the road. The scripture does not help us at that division to know which is which. So you can take your choice. <clears throat> it's because they invited the meal. Who prepared the meal and they think it was the man's wife. So that's what that group thinks. You can think what you want to about that because the scripture doesn't tell us plainly what it, what's going on here. Something happened in that home. When they got ready to sit down at their table and have that meal, they asked 
apparently asked this stranger to return thanks. For they had gathered from the conversation that this stranger knew a good bit about the scriptures. For he, this stranger had been telling them about the Messiah. And he told him, said, you all are really confused. They're on the roads now. You're confused about this situation. Let me tell you how it really is. And this stranger Jesus began with Moses at that starting point. And from Moses on through the prophets of the Old Testament as we know it, he explained how those scriptures related to him, the stranger, who is Jesus. And interpreted him in the scriptures who Jesus is and that he must suffer, that he must die, and brought all of that together. And I imagine that he, he emphasized Isaiah quite a bit. It's so easy, so easy to get our mixed up, to get mixed up in our scriptures, and we get our expectations of what's going to happen in the future of our world. Just like these people had gotten their scriptures mixed up, they believed based on what they thought the scripture said, Jesus is going to redeem their nation. But they were wrong in their interpretation. And Jesus explained it all to them. And they said, did not our heart burn within us as he described all of this? Well, this stranger then was asked to return thanks. So when he took the bread and he broke it, and when he broke it, something happened in their understanding they then understood that this is Jesus, the breaking of the bread. It, it reminded them of, of uh, something that happened before. It was a throwback, which is a good term here, a throwback to feeding the 5,000. And that happened again when he asked, do you any, have anything to eat here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. That too was a throwback to the uh, feeding of the 5,000. And their understanding then came to, to the point because it was based upon their previous experiences with Jesus. Now they had lost, in their expectations, they had lost what they had believed. But because their expectations were not met, they had laid aside everything, and Jesus renewed them and reminded them of who he is in their lives.
that should happen when we break the bread here. For the Lord's Supper is also a throwback the feeding of the 5,000 and the breaking of the bread. This whole story is kind of a summary of Jesus, who he is and what he did. And it was based upon their previous experiences with him. And that's the key when we break the bread together in here and that uh, <clears throat> the breaking of the bread reminds us of our previous experience and what is it it's our salvation experience it's when we came to know and said I want to follow you you're my Lord and my Savior. And when we break the bread together here, it is a throwback to our conversion experience. And now we're ready to go on that Emmaus road to Jerusalem. And what happened? When they got there, Peter is there apparently for the 11 disciples were there. You know, they've lost one along the way. And it wasn't Peter. So Peter had gone home. And these two people also went home. Did others go home too? Well, I searched that out. And reread and reread, didn't find the answer to that. But I just, my imagination got to running that many of these people who followed Jesus went home, just left and went home. Now it says that uh, when they were gathered, that it said Peter had seen Jesus. Peter had seen Jesus. I like that. These two people had seen Jesus. But my imagination runs wild at this time. I'm wondering if everybody that went home, if Jesus had a very busy night and visited every home and revealed himself to them. Ooh, if he visited in your home, what difference would it make to you? Sure it would. It'd make a big difference to you. You know it would. Now, why did they go? Why did they go back? Why were they on that Emmaus Road back to Jerusalem? Why did they return? Well, after they had a warm experience with Jesus now, they wanted to be with the other friends. They wanted to be with the other people in the group. And they returned. And there was the 
people gathered together. All 11 disciples were there. Plus the others who were friends like these two on the road to Emmaus who lived in Emmaus. They wanted to be with the other Christians. Wanted to be with them because they had so much in common with Jesus. Jesus was the commonality in their lives. And so they returned. I think they also returned because they didn't know where Jesus went. He didn't finish that meal apparently because he somehow took off. He was gone. He wasn't there. He left. Jesus was able to do that. Now, some people have an issue with the fact that uh, it was seven miles that they walked and they're going to turn back and turn, walk seven more miles. That they couldn't do that. Well, they forget that uh, Jesus had done it. And if Jesus could do it for himself, he surely could make it possible for these people, these two people to walk that seven miles. Just like when the disciples were in that boat and they were fearful and out there in the midst of that storm. And when they got Jesus then they saw him walking on the shore, uh, on the water. And they invited him in the boat. Did you ever notice what happened in what scripture says? The word immediately, you know what that means? Immediately, they were in the midst of that ocean, uh, that uh, storm in the, in that uh, sea, and immediately they were at the shore. Immediately, they were at the shore. They rode all night, rode all night, and couldn't get there. But when they invited Jesus into the boat, immediately. They were to shore. And when you invite Jesus to help you, to restore you, to comfort you, immediately you'll see the difference. So I think they went there. They wanted to see Jesus. They figured that's where he went. And they were right. That's where he was. But he wasn't quite there yet. When they got in, looked around, Jesus wasn't there. All of a sudden, Jesus came through the room, locked doors, and there he was, stood in the midst of them. Now, I want to tell you, you would think after an experience like what these people had had, that all doubt and misgivings would be pushed aside. But it wasn't. There was still some doubt in their minds. Who is this? Is it a ghost? Who is this? They took him for a ghost when they were on the water. Who is this? And so Jesus then comes with another message. 
he said, is anything to eat here? You know, he left. He didn't finish that meal in a mess. So I guess he might have had a little hunger pain. Any food here? And they said, yeah, we got some fish here. And they gave him some broil of fish, and Jesus ate it. Now, I suppose that they believe that ghosts didn't eat food. And so when they saw this person that they thought was Jesus, wasn't sure it was Jesus, wasn't quite sure about it, didn't have it down pat, when they saw him eat the food and swallow the food, and it wasn't like an x-ray, they didn't see it go down through and all that other stuff. It was like he was a human that was getting ready to go to heaven. And that's what Jesus did for them to remove their doubts about it. I think they returned to Jerusalem and got on that road, Emmaus Road to Jerusalem to be with their friends. Because on their friends, with their friends, it is so much easier and so much better to celebrate your salvation experience. To reach out and touch a friend who's had a similar experience. For here was a person who had experienced death three days in the grave and now they can go and they they had experienced that sorrow too but now be it their friends who also were coming to realization that Jesus is alive and that Jesus loves them and pulls them together as friends and as Christians who would serve him forever. Now I want to pray for us that that happened to us because I think the people here are not takers but givers. And that's what it takes. Give God the chance. Our Father, we thank you for what you've showed us in the scriptures. Thank you for your care and your love, and your blessings to us. As you look into every one of our hearts and examine us, and that the things that are not supposed to be there, would you show them to us? Help us remove them. And replace in that heart the joy and the lifting up of fellow believers touch one another's, pray together, sing together, rejoice, and eat together. Thank you, Father, for showing us how. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.